0: please to Matthew chapter 7. Um, We just have two weeks left this week and next week in the Sermon on the Mount. And this morning we are looking at chapter 7 verses 7 to 12. Let's read God's word together. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts, good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. We're almost at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, But before the conclusion, Jesus brings us again to the subject of prayer. Prayer is important in the kingdom of God. In fact, there is more time given to prayer in this sermon than any other subject. As Christians, as children of the kingdom, it is important we think about prayer. It is important not just that we pray, but that we pray right. Now, the focus in our verses this morning is not so much what we pray. We've looked at that before. Um, Jesus has already instructed us in that through the Lord's Prayer. But our focus this morning is who we pray to. We pray to a good father and that's simply what i want us to take away this morning we pray to a good father i wonder how this knowledge might change the way we pray perhaps we could think about that as we go through now as always context is important and as we begin to move towards the close of this sermon we're, we're wanting to bring really all the ideas of the sermon to mind Jesus has been teaching about discipleship about life in the kingdom of God and what that looks like he began with the beatitudes, showing that we come into the kingdom through poverty of spirit and when we realise that We mourn our sin, we are humbled, and we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And really, the rest of the sermon is showing us what this righteousness looks like it is merciful, it is peacemaking, it is pure. As we live in this way, we are salt, we are light, we are distinct from the world in which we live. Jesus has pushed us to the depths of our heart um, time and time again as we thought about anger and lust and honesty and revenge, even loving our enemies. We were pushed to assess where the priority of our hearts really lie. We've been told not to worry, not to judge others, and above all, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Perhaps you have felt overwhelmed by the standard of the kingdom. And I believe with what we look at this morning as Jesus returns to the subject of prayer, we don't need to be overwhelmed, but humbly depend on our Father for kingdom living. As I said, we saw in the Lord's Prayer the things we should pray for. We should pray for God's name to be honoured, for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done. We should pray that God would provide all we need to live in his kingdom and that he would forgive us and keep us from temptation. So it's important we pray the right things. And Jesus has outlined these right things and priorities for us. As we come to chapter 7 and verses 7 to 11, we are told to ask, seek, and knock. The verbs in the present tense are suggesting to us that we are to continually ask, seek, knock. Take the priorities that have been given to us in the Lord's Prayer and continually ask these things. Ask, seek, and knock are commands And there are promises that come with these commands from Jesus. Look at verse 7 and 8 again. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who who asks, receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened now perhaps you're thinking I have asked until I'm blue in the face but I have not received or I I, I have been seeking hard running after an answer from God and it hasn't come or more intense, the intensity seems to build up. I have been knocking, and perhaps prayer has felt more like knocking your head off a brick wall. It feels frustrating, like you're getting nowhere. So what is the promise here? Well, the illustration Jesus gives in verses 9 to 11 helps us to understand what the promise is. Let's just read those verses again together. who ask him. So we're thinking here of a child asking a father for bread, a, a legitimate request, and the father tricks him. He gives him a stone that, that, that looks like a bit of bread. And of course the stone will will harm him. Or, or the son perhaps asks for, for a fish, and again the father tricks him, perhaps giving him something like um giving him a snake perhaps that looks like like an eel or some fish and of course that, that could kill the son and the argument is this if men who are evil sinful and selfish if they give good gifts to their children how much more Will your Father who is in heaven, who is completely good, who is perfect, how much more will he give good things to those who ask him? Your Father in heaven can only give good things. So I believe the command and promise is this ask your father and he will always give good things to you now of course this isn't a promise we'll get everything we ask for we all know that by experience but whatever we ask for We can trust our Father to give us what is good. Turn for a moment to Luke 11. This is Luke's account of Jesus' teaching on prayer. And Luke puts the two sections together, the Lord's Prayer, and then goes directly into these um, commands, ask, seek, and knock. He finishes that that section, Luke 11, verse 13. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It seems the focus is Spiritual gifts, spiritual things. Now, Matthew doesn't say this, but the spiritual focus, priority, promise would certainly fit with the teaching from Jesus that we have considered these past months. To pray for forgiveness of sins. This will be given to you. John writes, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Pray for deliverance from evil, and this will be given to you. Psalm 121, The Lord will keep you from all evil. Pray for help and strength to be obedient to God, and this will be given to you. God's Spirit is with us, continually striving towards that very goal and for all other things that we ask that Scripture does not promise to us, we trust that God will give us what is good. Listen to what one writer, Alec Mateer, says here. He says, if it were the case that whatever we ask, God was pledged to give, then I, for one, would never pray again because I would not have sufficient confidence in my own wisdom to ask God for anything. I think that's helpful to us. Can you imagine something really crucial, a really significant, perhaps even extreme, time in your life and you knew that whatever you asked God for he would give you you're suddenly hit with a crushing burden realising this is on me I need to make the right decision I, I need to ask for the right thing I need to try and work out how this is going to play out in days and months and and even years from now. You see the point? We, we, We would never ask for a thing for fear of asking for the wrong thing. Jesus says, just keep asking, trusting his wisdom, God's wisdom, to do what is right and good. Listen to what Elizabeth Elliot says on prayer. She says, God never withholds from his child that which his love and wisdom call good. God's refusals are always merciful. Severe mercies at times, but mercies all the same. God never denies us our heart's desire except to give us something better. For those of you who have experienced what we might call severe mercies, in her words, perhaps significant loss or disappointment, perhaps constant anxiety, or whatever it may be, I don't know why. I don't have a satisfactory answer for you. But I do know that you have a good father and I do know that you can trust him. I want you to turn with me into Psalm 131 for a moment. Into Psalm 131. I think this is helpful for us as we think about coming to god as our father psalm 131 lord my heart is not lifted up my eyes are not raised too high i do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me but i have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. There's a beautiful picture here for us of safety and security and confidence as we think about coming to God as our Father. First one of the psalmists is confessing the sin of pride. My heart is not lifted up. And then confessing the sin of presumption. My eyes are not raised too high. And then the psalmist basically says, he says, there are things I will never understand. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother this is inward soul calmness and the picture here for us is is a weaned child with their mother see a child who is breastfeeding from their mother will will, never settle just to sit on mum's knee because they'll always want milk they'll twist and turn and grab and pull just to get what they want but once a child goes through the weaning process, well then they'll, they'll sit perfectly content. Snuggle in close to mum and they're confident, they're safe, they're secure. This, this really ring, rings true to me. I can see the expression in all our children's faces as they did that very thing, just sat close to Emma with a look of real contentment. Not caring whoever else was there or whatever else was going on because they were totally and completely fine where they were and they weren't for moving. That inner soul contentment I long for with my Father God. To give up the pride of thinking well I know what's best for me. To give up upon presuming what God should do in my life. Just, to, just simply say, God, there are so many things I don't know and I don't understand and, and I just don't get about the way you work. But God, I will run to you with every fear and disappointment and grief and regret and pain and trust your wisdom and goodness. Ever noticed how a child can sit on a parent's knee and just be perfectly content with absolute chaos going on around them? See, whatever is happening, no matter how chaotic and out of control life may seem, no matter how overwhelmed you are, come to your father again and again. And again, crawl onto his lap, as it were. Sit there. Come in closer again. Look at the chaos in the world, perhaps in your own life, and say, I don't know. I can't work this all out. But I know that right here, with my Father God, I am safe. And I am secure. It's me and my Father against the world. And I am confident that he will give me all that is good for me. Jesus said in Matthew 18, whoever humbles himself like a little child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. If you want to live out this kingdom life, that has been shown to us these weeks and months, don't be overwhelmed by it. Just run to your Father. Ask Him. Trust Him. Stay close to Him like a little child. That's what it is to live in His kingdom. That's what it is to live this kingdom life. what difference would it make to your prayer life knowing that you pray to your father who always gives you good things well let's think about verse 12 so whatever you wish that others would do to you do also to them for that is the law and the prophets. And here Jesus summarizes the teaching of the Old Testament. Jesus said something similar when he was asked by scribes what the greatest commandment was. And he said to these scribes, quoting Deuteronomy, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Jesus added, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. In the Old Testament, in Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, we have the law spelt out for us in all its details. Here, Jesus summarizes the law. And he's saying that if you want to keep the law of God, then love your neighbour. Do to them as you would want done to you. Remember earlier in Matthew 5, Jesus said, He did not come to abolish the law or prophets, and so we should not take anything away from the law. And now he gives us this summary of the law and prophets to help us live this out. Paul says the same thing, writing to the Romans in chapter 13. He says, Oh, no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandments." are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. Further reading to the Galatians, Paul says the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. You remember the little bands lots of Christians used to wear W W J D. What would Jesus do? He was supposed to help us think how to live as Christians. Here we have W-W-I-W, what would I want? If we are serious and intentional about living as children of the kingdom, then we've got to think, what would I want? Let's take a moment to think of some areas of application, and the application here is endless. But we think in the home. Your spouse or children or someone you live with annoys you, gets on your nerves, makes a mistake, sins against you, whatever it may be, how are you going to respond? Will you put yourself in their shoes? How would you want them to respond to you? Well, that's obvious, isn't it? We would want to be quickly forgiven. We'd want them to laugh off our silly mistakes and say it doesn't matter. We come into the church. Perhaps someone's just simply standing alone after the service. Put yourself in their shoes. What would I want? I'd want someone to come and speak to me as soon as possible. Perhaps someone's going through a difficult time and we wonder, I just don't know what to do to help them. Put yourself in their shoes. What would I want? we think outside the church we walk down the streets, we see a homeless person you think hmm, what's he to do here well put yourself in their shoes what would I want pretty obvious isn't it these are just a few isolated examples but this is the principle that Jesus gives us for kingdom living We don't treat others by how we believe they deserve to be treated, but by how we ourselves would want to be treated. And you wonder how much hurt and division and pain could be prevented in our homes, in our churches, perhaps in our workplaces, in this world if we simply lived by this kingdom principle. Whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now perhaps you're aware that too often you don't treat others as you expect to be treated. Perhaps you're thinking, well, why should I live like this? well this brings us again to christ and we're going to remember his sacrifice for us christ the one from whom we deserve punishment judgment and rejection and yet the one who put himself in our shoes taking our place on the cross dying for our sin bringing us forgiveness peace love and acceptance let's pray together.